Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at His teaching because He taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Jesus didn't need to quote no other preacher. He didn't need to, you know, use some other person's words. He was the Word, the authority itself. And so it came off differently. And so I'm just gonna pray right now that um, that the weight of the authority of the Word would rest on us and bring transformation to our lives, amen? So Father, I just pray for every man and every woman here. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You that Your Word transforms us from the inside out. Lord, it has power to give, bring about change. It is, has power to bring about transformation. And we want nothing less than all of that today for us, Father. So I pray that Your Word goes forth as a sharp sword, able to pierce between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Let it get on the inside of us. Let it transform us, I pray, in Jesus' Name. And everybody said? Amen, amen. Why don't you fist pump the person next to you while you take a seat? Tell them they look really good today. So many beautiful new faces in the building. I love to get up here and just scan who those new faces are. I'm looking at you right now. It's so great that you're here, and I love that God is building His church. Um, But let me tell you, I've been thinking deeply about a few things. And you know, when I think about the, when I think about the condition of the culture of our world that has taken God out of the conversation, I see so much of it collapsing. So when you look at leadership, you see it collapsing and crumbling. When you look at marriages that have taken God out of it because marriage is a God idea, it is not a man-made idea. When you take God out of the equation, marriages begin to crumble. You have, when you take God out of the equation of your life, you have nothing to stand on. And so therefore you see individuals collapsing into anxiety and collapsing into depression and collapsing into fear. When over the last couple of years, we've seen that a lot, that, that everything is dictated by fear, the way that they operate, the way that whether they leave their home and how they are with other people. And so we see people collapsing into despair, collapsing into identity crisis because they are not grounded in anything. And then I look at the church 
And I look at, you know, the condition of what, of what happens to people when they come into the church and God is brought back into the equation. And there is a huge difference, let me tell you. Let me tell you why the church is so powerful and necessary and needed in this hour more than ever before. Because the church has a solid foundation. The church has a foundation this world knows nothing of. While it's getting a bit rickety and rockety out there in the world, inside the church there is a stable foundation that you can build your life on, which is the rock of Jesus Christ. You see, the thing about the church is, the church is proven in its foundation. The church has withstood withstood much persecution over the years. The church has withstood much opposition over the years. Even under emperor rulership and even under political oppression and even under attack, the church has withstood because Jesus Christ said Himself that I am building my church and not even the gates of hell will ever be able to prevail against it. The church of Jesus Christ has withstood the test of time through generation upon generation. You see, the church has a solid foundation. And when I think about the language of the church and the language of Jesus, it doesn't sound like that of the world. But sometimes the world's words get into the church sometimes and we try to sound really theological and we talk about how we're deconstructing our lives and how we're deconstructing our beliefs. And I'm just here to remind you today that Jesus doesn't talk like that. That is the antithesis of what Jesus sounds like because Jesus is the master builder of His house. He doesn't critique his house. He doesn't tear down his house. He doesn't, you know, do anything like that. He builds his house. And so, you know, the enemy, we know what the word says about the enemy. The enemy comes to rob, kill, steal, destroy. He has demolition plans for your home. But let me tell you, God has construction plans. And He's given us a construction manual in the Word of God. And He says, I want you to be very intentional about how you build your life. Build it on me. Build it the way that I tell you to build this thing. And so Jesus makes the comparison in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, the wise person is the one who hears my word and obeys it. The foolish person is the one who hears my word and walks away and does nothing with it. And I'm just here to remind you at the top end of my message today that, that, you know, I went back in time and I started to think about this quite deeply because I can remember when I was a little girl and my dad had bought me a playhouse. You guys know what a playhouse is, right? Because we call them cubby houses in Australia. And so he bought me a cubby house. It was about this this big, but I was only like this big. And it was a Hansel and Gretel house and it had like candy cane arches over the front of it and it was really special and it was like my house. And I can remember my dad standing at the door of my house and he was giving me instructions on how I was to clean my house. And you know, I was little, I didn't wanna do it with water and a cloth that was way too basic. I wanted to be like the big people and use chemical products. 
And so, you know, uh, as soon as I can remember him giving the instructions, but I was telling myself, I hear what you're saying, but I'm gonna do something completely different because I think I know better. And so as soon as dad left, I went to the cupboard and I got out the GIF. Now, if you're from Australia, you know what GIF is. GIF is this white chalky substance that doesn't go away, which is probably why he didn't want me to clean everything in my cubby house with it. And then, you know, it has this really intense smell about it as well. So I proceeded to clean my cubby house. My sister was my slave and she helped me. And when my dad came back, an impromptu knock at the door. I remember opening the door, shoving the GIF in my sister's hands, which she put behind her back, because that's what you do when you're the big sister, you make your little sister the accomplice to the crime. And I just remember standing there going, I am completely undone, I cannot hide the mess that I have made, I should have listened to my father, and all I wanna do today is just give you that silly illustration to remind you that you do not be like my former self who, who heard the words of my father, but then in my heart decided, I don't know, I think I know better. I wanna encourage you, Vibe Church, today that you are gonna hear the word of the Lord today, and I believe that the Lord is gonna speak speak to you very directly and very specifically about some things that you need to start to build differently into your life. And I don't want you to sit there and just hear the word. I want you to write down in your notes today, what are you gonna do the second that you leave this place so that you can have the blessing of God on your life? So many times we want what other people have. We want their marriage. We want their, you know, blessing that they have on their business, but we don't want to tithe like they do and we don't want to build the business like they do on Jesus and we don't want to do the work of the marriage that they have. But, you know, when we obey the Word of God, that's when you get to see the fruit of God in your life and I want you to have that today. And so God says that I want you, you know, I want you to go ahead and I want you to believe for heavenly homes and I want you to establish them here on earth. But that is gonna be hinged on obedience to what is written in this book. And you see, the foundation of this parable is really, really simple. It is obedience to God. We, had, we have two examples here, two men who in this story had much in common. Both had desires to build a house and both built houses that looked good and sturdy on the outside. And you see, when the storm came, when the judgment came, one of them collapsed and it wasn't the external stuff that held that thing up. It was the difference was in the foundation. The successful builder had dug deep and built it on solid foundation on the Word of God. And so the Lord is illustrating one main point for us today, and that is that our profession will ultimately be tested before God. One day we'll have an impromptu visit from God and we'll be checked on, did we just give God lip service or did we actually give Him our service? And so Matthew, this is so foundational that Jesus talks about it in His first Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And he, and he references in verse 15, he says, I'll give you two ways that you can tell me what the cost of your profession is. You can examine it. And he says in verse 15, Jesus teaches us to investigate whether our lives have really changed. You see, sometimes we encounter God, but then on the other side of it, our life doesn't look much different. 
but he's saying there should be some godly fruit on the other side of your encounter with Jesus. And so I'm gonna ask you today, is there some godly fruit on the other side of your encounter with Jesus? Does your life look a little bit different? And then he says that, you know, about Jesus, he says, I want you to build on solid foundation. And he reminds us that only true faith in Christ will last, not only the storms of life, but also our final judgment. And so Jesus is saying there needs to be some evidence. Is there some evidence that you've encountered me? Is there evidence in the form of good fruit that when storms of life come, you are not completely shaken? And the invitation is to build our lives on the bedrock of Jesus. And so today, my assignment is very, very simple. It is just to help you take your marriage and take your life and take your parenting and to begin to build heavenly homes here on earth. And I'm gonna help you do that by throwing myself under the bus so many times. You are just gonna be pointing and laughing at me the entire time. And then the Holy Spirit is just gonna come alongside and convict you when you at least expect it. And so you can just fly under the radar, but I just, wanna, I just wanna encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit to convict you today on some things. You know, my husband, when I get the privilege of sitting next to him and somebody else is preaching, he likes to nudge me when it's like a point I need to listen to. Don't do that to your wives today, okay? Let the Holy Spirit be the convictor, not your husband. <laughs> and husbands, here's something for you, okay? And then I'm gonna give you all an opportunity at the end and we're gonna, I'm gonna pray for you, okay? So we can all get saved again. Amen. Awesome. So um, I'm just gonna tell you straight up that I had to learn the hard way that building a heavenly home meant that I needed to be a hearing, responding disciple. Like, when you are living in close proximity with your spouse and your kids, they are the first people to know whether you're a phony Christian or not. And so, so when you are building a heavenly home, you have to be that hearing, responding disciple. I wanna ask you today, are you a hearing, responding disciple or do you hear on Sundays and walk out of here and your home life doesn't look anything like you look like when you're here? And so, you know, I know some of you know uh, my story. And um, I basically, I got saved when I was 15 years old. The accent should give it away if you don't know it already. Um, I am Australian. And so in Sydney, Australia, I gave my heart to Jesus. I actually walked into church one day and the, the lady who was preaching, I responded to the altar call. She looked at me and it was through a prophetic word and she said, you sit alone on your bed at night crying out to God, asking him if he's real or not. And he wants you to know that he's real. And that was my moment. That was my burning bush moment. You can't talk me out of it. I know that God is real because nobody saw me in those moments. And so from that moment, my life was completely transformed. I moved from living with my mom and my sister in Sydney and moved up the coast of Australia to a place called Newcastle, a beach town. And I thought, you know what? The first thing I need to do is find a really good church. So the first church I walked into was Newcastle City Church. That's where um, my hus I met my husband that night. I didn't know it would be my husband. Um, he was in a play that you've heard him preach about, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. You know how he tried out for Jesus, but he got the drunk teenager? 
that was by design. I was like, that boy, he's cute, I'll take him. And so, and so we, that, after that, we started talking. We had like this three-year-long friendship. It was the best thing ever. He was my best, best friend. And you know, we had everything in common. It was like, you like that? I like that too. And you know, when you first start to get to know someone and you're just so same, same, and then you get married and you're like, who are you? I don't even know you. And so, you know, we had a, a, a pretty quick engagement where it was like a one-year engagement and then nine months and then we were married and um, it was like one week into our married life that we had our first argument. And some of you have heard about this argument, but I'm gonna just fill the rest of you in so you know how dysfunctional I am. And, um, and so basically we, were, we got into an argument. I can't remember why we were arguing, babe. Maybe it was, you know, the time that you taped over our wedding video, me walking down the aisle to Survivor episodes. I don't know. It could have been one of those. It could have been the time that you jumped off a bridge into open water and lost your wedding ring in the first week of marriage. I don't know. But we had a pretty hectic first week of marriage. But I don't remember, honestly, what we were arguing about this time. I just remember that when we started arguing, I was so infuriated that he argued better than me. Like, my husband is a brilliant wordsmith. Like, he is absolutely amazing with words. And you know those passionate people who when they get more passionate, the words just keep coming out and it's amazing and it's impressive. And I am so mad at him, but I am so like, you're incredible. I wish I could argue like you. And then at the same time, I am having the epiphany that I am not a good arguer. When I argue, I lose all my words. And then I say dumb stuff, like, uh, you're an idiot. Or like, pull out some dumb thing to say. And then whatever I've pulled out, he has a smart answer for to make it seem so stupid. And I know it's stupid, but I can't let him know it's stupid. So I just have to defend my stupidness. And that's, it just becomes so ridiculous, right? And so I can remember arguing with him and our faces were like eye level. I had, you know, we had locked eyes and then my fists began to clench and then I seized my moment. I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. And I pulled my leg back and I popped him as hard as I could in the shin. His eyes like got real big and his lip quivered a little bit and then I did not see what was gonna come next, but very patiently, with such poise and control, he just picked me up by my shoulders and put me out the back door. He slid the glass gliding door shut, and then he locked it, and through the sliding door, he began to point at me and tell me very slowly, because I was a stupid arguer, so I would get the point. We do not use physical force in this family. That was a line in the sand moment, y'all. And I can remember standing on the other side, outside, thinking, oh great, I married Jesus. Not only is he a great apologetic, 
arguer. He has also mastered the art of turning the other cheek. And worse still, I'm the demon that he has evicted from the house. And so <laughs> I'm telling the truth, okay? And so I can remember standing there. Let me tell you, I thought I was so spiritual. If you had met us in the early days, I was so spiritual. But let me tell you, on Sundays I was spiritual, but from Saturday to Monday, I was hellish like you wouldn't believe. And so because of that, I didn't actually build a heavenly home in the early days. I had to learn the hard way that you actually have to be saved if you have any hope of building a heavenly home. And so, you know, I wanna encourage you that the storms of life come and sometimes they come from within and sometimes the storms come from without. We don't get to determine what the storm looks like, the storms are inevitable and the storms are guaranteed. We are all gonna experience storms. You're all gonna have a bad day at college one day. You're gonna have a bad day at high school. You're gonna have conflict in your marriage. There's gonna be challenges with your parenting. Every single one of us is going to have a storm at some point. But the goal in life is not to try to avoid the storms. And so, I became a little storm allergic after that first argument, after the physical altercation and knowing what I was capable of, <laughs> that these demons were inside me. And so the next time we had an argument, I decided that if I was gonna stick around, I was gonna fight. So I decided to implement a flight. And so I would park my car, the last one in the driveway. So that the next time that we would have an argument, because I could be guaranteed that we were gonna have another one, uh, that I could make a quick getaway, okay? And so the quick getaway was so dysfunctional. It looked like me really screeching away, okay? And so burning a bit of rubber, maybe a bit of fishtail down the street, you know, just to show you how mad I am. And so, and then I would get down the street and I would think, in my getaway car, it would become my jail. Cause like, where am I headed? I don't know where I'm going. It's dark out here, it's cold. Do I really wanna sit out here all night long? They didn't, you know, back then I didn't have a, an iPhone. So there was no Netflix or movies to watch in the meantime while I was punishing my husband. Cause I had to just stay in the car just long enough to make him worry about me, you know, and so, so I was like, okay, I'm stuck here now. I'll spend the next hour, you know, so that he can be fretting and he can be worried and he can be so knotted up on the inside. And he's probably rocking back and forth at home, you know, in uncontrollable pain, stressing out about where I am and crying and calling for help. And, you know, so I decided I'd come back home. And when I came back home, the front door was locked. So I let myself in. All the lights in the house were off. So then I walked upstairs to our bedroom and I found my husband sleeping like a baby in our bed. And I can remember going, what? I'm not gonna run from the storm anymore. I am gonna become the storm. <laughs> Hurricane Kira arrived. And there's a reason why they name hurricanes after women, okay? It was me, okay? My husband must be friends with a weatherman somewhere. And so 
I began to punch the pillow and pull on the sheets until he woke up and elbow him in the corner of his back. And you know, when he started to make a sound, then I just made my exit from the bed on the wrong side. And I thought I'd get out over the top of him and knee him in the back on the way out. I was so bad and so naughty. My husband had to sit me down and we had to have another line in the sand conversation. Kira, we don't jump the ship when we're in a storm, okay? You can't run away anymore. You have to stay. And so I remember learning that lesson the hard way that you're not meant to avoid the storms of life or even worse, become the storm. The goal is to weather them. The goal is to stick it out. The goal is to let that storm begin to shape us. And so, you know, if you find that you're like me and your house is collapsing, your home is collapsing, every time a storm hits, you might need to pay some attention to the foundation. And that's what I needed to begin to do, not try and avoid my husband, but I began to go into my prayer closet and get my word out and start to pay attention to some of the foundation, my fractured framework of beliefs or my fractured values or my broken home experience that I was bringing into this experience and I needed to allow the Bible, the Word of God to begin to become my bedrock. This Word has a Word for every season. This Word had a Word for every storm. This Word has helped me to have healing, physical healing. This Word has helped me with my parenting. This Word has helped me to be a saved and good wife. This Word is essential. And so it's here where I learnt that anything that is anything that is built on anything other than the rock of Jesus will collapse. And there's so many things that we build upon that are not on Jesus. And I just, you know, I I didn't grow up in a perfect home. I, I had a very poor picture of what it meant to look like and feel like and operate like in a heavenly home. And like every time we would have an argument, my whole world would just bottom out from underneath me. And I find that I'm not that uncommon, that there are many, many people, there are so very few people who emerge out of their families of origin emotionally whole or mature. I know that I'm not alone with others of us who have sandy homes, you know, they're gritty, they're grimy, they, they have a lot of, you know, they're full of instability or they're full of collapsed commitments and divorce and poor conflict resolution and abuse. And, you know, many of, many of the times we come out of those environments and then we begin to father and then we begin to mother and lead and even follow. And all of that that we are partaking in now reflects more of our surrounding culture and our family of origin than really the family of Jesus. And this is why I believe so, so much. I know after 20 years of pastoring people because I see all of it collide in this space. And this is why I believe that God wants to redeem your home through His house because He's done it in mine. He's so good. And so it's through, it it doesn't take any effort to build a hellish home is what I wanna tell you. You can build a hellish home all on your own. Just rock up and be your bad self, okay? 
But if you wanna build a heavenly home, there is going to need to be great intention attached to that. And Jesus has some construction plans for your marriage. He wants to teach you how to be married and how to do that well. He wants to teach you how to parent. He's got construction plans for your business in here, for great stewardship, for great leadership, for great followership. It's all in this book. And so I just wanna give you three things today. We're just gonna power through three things that are gonna help you to start to build a heavenly home. First thing you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to be intentional about what you feed. Be intentional about what you feed. Because some of you are feeding things you need to starve and resisting the hard truth you need to swallow, okay? And so I gotta tell you, when I was a little girl, there was a lie that was just kind of sewn into my life. And I remember it very clearly, it's just one particular one, and that is that you just can't trust men. And you know, my parents divorced when I was five and I had a front row seat to a lot of other men come in and out of the home and I can remember just, just thinking it. It was just a thought. I don't know where the thought came from, I know now it was the devil, but it was just a thought. And I never started feeding that thought until Adam and I started dating. It was a lie. And, and so that little thought became a looming question. And then I started to give it some life, give it some airtime. And I used to ask Adam all the time, Adam, are you gonna break up with me? And he's like, girl, are you crazy? Like, I'm not gonna break up with you. And then I'd be like, Adam, are you bored with me yet? And he would be like, These are weird questions. And then I would say, Adam, have I lost my mystery? And you know he preached about it. Girl, we've got history. We don't need mystery. But I thought they were quite logical questions. They made perfect sense to me because my life experience had explained that that's how these things roll. But it it should have been causing alarm bells to go off They were going off for Adam, but they weren't going off for me. And then in our married life, they stopped being questions and they started to be accusations. See, because when you don't starve your insecurities and instead you feed them, fed feelings begin to fortify and they become your truth. And they are not the truth, but they just become your truth that you project on everything and everyone around you. And so that's how the enemy works, right? He works in projection, an estimate or a forecast of a future situation based on a trend of present ones. But when you come into the kingdom of God, you don't have to operate in forecast. You don't have to be like all the things that have happened to you down all the generations past. You get to have foresight and you get to step in to some of the chain-breaking power of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, because I was feeding these things, my judgment became impaired and I could no longer differentiate between the lie and a hard truth because I kept telling Adam, no, I see things that you don't see. And he's like, yeah, you do, but they ain't the right thing. <laughs> and an emotional feeling. I was so confused. And when he would say, I love you, and he meant it because he's a faithful man, I wouldn't believe it. I wanted to indulge my fears more than having faith for our future. 
And I just want you to learn from me today. Let me be the example of what not to do because some of you are believing lies and you are, that you are meant to starve. And some of you are not listening to the hard truth. And I wanna encourage you to change in that today. Because when I believed the lie, it meant that I didn't have to change. The lie was my easy out. The lie meant he had to change, he's the man, he has to prove himself. But the truth, the hard truth was I needed to change. I needed to stop making projections on him and it was on me. Okay, so the next thing that you need to be intentional about is what you entertain. What you entertain, this is a, this is a key one, okay? So when, um, so Adam and I have Thursday night date nights. We've done it for a really, really long time. And you probably have followed suit and have date nights too, if you're wise. And so we would go to date night and my husband would rock up and he is such a lover. He is so romantic and he would be ready to date me. And he'd be like, Kira, you're so beautiful and I can't wait to spend this night with you. And he had plans of how this date night was gonna go. But Kira... Good old Kira here. I didn't rock up alone. No, 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 no. I rocked up with my friend, Anxiety, and I locked up, rocked up with my other, you know, mate, Misery, because I was a little bit sad in the early years of our married life. And, and I rocked up with my crew, and you had my crew on the other side of the date night table, and our side of the booth was getting pretty full, and Adam's side was just kind of lonely and empty over there because he was ready to date me. And then date night only lasted one night a week. So, you know, then I decided to bring my crew to bed with us, you know? So he never got a break. 24-7, I was talking about my issues and my problems and this thing and that thing and how are we gonna fix this and parenting stuff and church stuff. I brought you all into bed with me too. And then, you know, he got so sick of it that he was like, Kira, from 7.30 p.m. at night, you have to stop it. You can hang out with all of these things. They can be all your friends all day long, but from 7.30 on at night, you can't bring them home with you. And I was like, but who will I entertain? And he was like, me? You could entertain me, you could entertain our daughters, you could entertain hopes and dreams for the future, you could entertain creativity, you could stop bringing all this past stuff into our present situation. And I just use that silly illustration so that you can do the same, be liberated. You don't have to entertain the depression, you don't have to entertain the anxiety, you don't have to entertain the fear. You can put that, you can lock it up and say, nope, tonight you're not coming in, okay? You have permission to have peace in Jesus' name. And so the third thing that you're going to have to be intentional to build a heavenly home is you're gonna have to be intentional about what you confess. And um, you know, I would make so many excuses for myself and I know I'm not alone. Because if you look down my four generations of family line, there's pretty much not one marriage that stands that is like divorce, 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 or on every row, down every line. And then you look at Adam's side of the family and he's four generations, Christian marriages, till death do us part, like their marriages would just remain together, which to me is proof 
in its, of itself that the word is right. When you build on the word of God, you can make a marriage work. And so I used to make excuses of myself, well, this is the way that I am because of all of these things. And so at some point I had to divorce the devil's narrative for my life because God wanted something entirely new for me. And I'm here to just remind you today that some of you are so married to the devil's narrative for your life and so resistant to the promises of God because they seem so good. They seem too good to be true that that this seems more realistic and this seems more real. But some of you have to break up with the devil today and you have to break up with the devil's narrative on your life so that you can obtain the promises of God for your life and begin to walk out of this place in freedom today because you are a part of a different family. I know your natural family was one way, but you don't have to be like your natural family. And some of you have told yourselves, oh, I'm always gonna struggle with these health things. Oh, I'm always gonna be out of work. Oh, I'm always gonna have financial struggles. Oh, I'm never gonna own my own home. Oh, I'm always gonna be a single mom. Oh, I'm always gonna be a victim. Life has defeated me. And I'm here to tell you today that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is a different foundation that you get to build your life on and it is the bedrock of Jesus and He has the power to sever all of those lies and all of those projections that have been spoken over your life so that you can literally walk free and break a cycle. And you see, I think that there's a war on the home front because the devil doesn't want your home to be free. Because if your home is bound up and your marriage is bound up and your kids are bound up, then you're unable to build the house of God. And God's house needs to be built from healthy homes and then He builds His house. But you you don't know how to build a healthy home until you come into the house of God and find out how it's meant to be done. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.